Alright folks, today we're back and we're doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's right, for all you fans of Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz and um, uh, Allison Hannigan and, you know, the show ran for six years uh, and we may have on problem. the WB... What? I watched the movie. The movie? Yeah. I, I thought we were doing the movie, not the TV show. Motherfucker. I watched all seven seasons of the show this last I've week. I never even watched the show. I spent every single day watching 10 episodes to watch the entire show so we'd be caught up for this. Oh, shit. Oh, uh, my God. Well, you're leading anyway. Let's get to it. <laughs> Damn it, man. All right, listen. Thankfully, I've seen the movie, so I'm going to freestyle. But one of these days, we're doing the whole damn show because I spent the whole last seven days. I didn't eat for seven days. I just watched Buffy. Well, then you know what? Then we're going to have to make a trade. Don't do it. Don't do what I think you want to do because that is not an equal trade. That is 15 <laughs> seasons for seven seasons. That is not equal trade. Well, you trade know what? I'll, I'll compromise with you. We'll do the all first right, five all right. seasons. All right, all right. I will do, in exchange for Buffy's seven seasons, I will do the pilot episode of Supernatural. What do you think? Five seasons. Five seasons? Five seasons of Supernatural. Oh, damn it, man. <laughs> None of this works. All right. All, the only thing I know about it is Sarah Michelle Gellar and Anthony Head. And you know of Anthony Head... Because he's from your favorite damn movie, Repo. The genetic opera. The boring ass opera. No, genetic opera. You get it right. The genetic sir. opera. Yes. For, for fans of Repo, you can go back a few episodes. We did review that recently. With Troll 2. With that classic trip to Nilbog and Troll 2. Look for that Nilbog milk in stores everywhere. You don't, you don't need vitamin D. You don't need almond milk. You need Nilbog milk. And that was a commercial because we're being sponsored by Nilbog. Look for that check coming in the mail, Nick. Yeah, hey, you're not the only one. I see you getting the, the, the secret secret KFC sponsorship. Heard about that. I went and did my own little little work on the side and got us a Nilbox so, sponsorship. Now, the only the only uh, thing in the contract in exchange is that we have to make a trip to Nilbog once a year. What do you think? Well, at least if we have to make a trip there once a year, at least I know we're not going to be eaten. Well, that witch still lives in the forest, so we got to watch out for that. Hey, if, she, if all she does is pop popcorn around me, and she comes to us in her younger form. I'll take the sacrifice. Look, if they, they, they told me... I'll they, get the girl, you get the trolls. They said if the food is green, don't worry about it. That's normal in Nilbog. So the green food is normal. doesn't mean anything. We can eat the green food. Okay. So, that said... Mountain Dew cakes? Actually, yeah. You'll, you'll fit it right in with bring all your Mountain Dew cases. Yes. So we'll have a big green dinner, right? Oh, yeah. That's oh. vegan, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So that said, actually, we're going to do then the movie... Buffy the Vampire Slayer from 1992. With Christy Swanson. And the only thing I've seen other than this is a movie called The Chase with Charlie Sheen. which is actually pretty good, but it's hard to find. We got Donald Sutherland. We got Donald Sutherland. And an alumni to our show, Ruger Hauer. Ruger Hauer, who I have to say is one of the best villain actors of all time. He's in this. He's in The Hitcher. We got to do Surviving the Game eventually with Ice-T. That's a, oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's uh, a stellar one. Here's, a, here's another one. Here's a pretty big cameo for anyone who's seen Screams 1 through 500. David Arquette. David Arquette playing someone other than Deputy Dewey, which is actually a good thing because we've seen too much of Deputy Dewey. Yeah, but the problem is now we know why Deputy Dewey can't die. No one's staking him in the heart. That's true. Yeah, if you stab him in the back, it's because he's a vampire. Nope. Dewey just lives on. True that. Okay. We also got we got Luke Perry from Beverly Hills 90210. I never watched that show. I'm a big fan. Well, no, let me preface. You're a white girl. I didn't watch a show, even though I know all the storylines that I came on Wednesday nights on Fox at 8 p.m. every, every week. And you're, you're a white girl. Including summer episodes, and I don't own the DVDs. Maybe I do. I don't know. I, listen, 90210 was a great show, right? Fantastic. You don't have to live in Beverly Hills to enjoy it. You can live in the 22-something-something-something-something. I'm not going to say our zip code, but whatever it might be. Just saying, great show, Wednesday nights on Fox. So the closest thing you're going to get me to watch in Beverly Hills is Beverly Hills Cop or Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Now, I can confuse you by having the Beverly Hills Cop music over an episode of 90210, and about 30 minutes in, you'll be like, hey, that ain't Anna Murphy. That's some teenage kid from Beverly Hills. Uh, who else? We have, oh my goodness, we have Paul Rubens who you better, may better know as P.B. Herman, who is actually a damn good comedic actor. I got to say, I, I'm loving him in this movie. He didn't have much of an acting career after this. He's in the movie called Mystery Men. So he's still mostly known for his P.B. Herman TV show. Hell, you can't, didn't he just do a P.B. Herman movie a few years back? Yeah, he brought it back. 
He was gone for a while. Pee Wee Herman in his day was as big as Blue's Clues, but like in the 80s or early 90s. So it was I like, never watched it. It was before our time, but it was like the Blue's Clues of that, Blue's Clues of that generation. But then he got into some trouble, went to jail for a few years. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> better not, better not to, to get into in that. Yeah, because we're not talking about people. Well, I guess we are. Anyway, so in the first scene, we get to meet two people, including a redhead. Okay, let's go meet Buffy now. So we have a flashback to... Explain what Slayers are. Assuming some previous decades, and basically the story, if you've seen the TV show, it's pretty much the same thing here. Every generation a Slayer is born, and with a Slayer, there's a Watcher whose job is to watch over the Slayer. And then, typically, the Slayer gets murdered, and then a new Slayer comes. So for this generation, we're going to have Christy Swanson playing Buffy Summers, who is a teenage cheerleader at a high school. Their cheers aren't very good. Got one question for you, Nick. How funky is your chicken, and how loose is your goose? Buffy's friends. Played by Hilary Swank. And two other random girls. Yeah are basically the picture definition of... Frenemies? No, they're those popular girls in school that are super vapid, super superficial, don't care about anything except when the next party is, what dress they're going to wear, who they can stab in the back, whose boyfriend they can steal. It's every stereotype you could possibly think of for this type, which would later be Lampoon in movies like Mean Girls. and even Mean the movie, Girls did it better, though. Well, Mean Girls had... 10 years to build on that though. This and a redheaded Lindsay Lohan before she was on drugs. True. Now, mean Girls is a much more serious movie. Yeah. And we also meet David Arquette and Luke Perry. He's playing Pike. But what's our David Arquette's name? Uh, ben. Benny. Benny. Benny and, uh, and... I was just going to say Dewey. Ah, so Dewey and Pike are hanging out basically. Yep, Dewey and Pike. And they seem like cool dudes. Not cool dudes, but funny dudes. They definitely drunk. Their rapport is funny and they are drunk. Absolutely. And my, my favorite thing here is that um, Dewey um, does something to Buffy. And apparently she has cat-like reflexes to take a butter knife <laughs> and, and cut a wiener in half. <laughs> The funniest thing, though, is that Pike gags on his hot dog bun. <laughs> and then David Arquette's just he says, he says, oh, you cut my wiener. And Pike goes, oh. <laughs> yeah, David Arquette's just sitting there all nonchalant. like, now why would you do something like that? That could have hurt. Oh, man. That's so exactly my sense. Now we get our cheerleading practice and showing Buffy is uh, practicing her gymnastics. When all of a sudden... Donald Sutherland playing Merrick is randomly somehow got into her school. Um, He's the back door. School during the, the day, the doors are open. Mm. I've known because when I skipped school back in the day, I would hide in the bathroom until first period started. And after everybody went to class, I would simply walk out the bathroom and walk out the back door freely. This is yeah. only my senior year, folks, and I don't recommend this for kids at home. So you know what I did to skip school? What? I didn't go to the school. I hid in the woods. Ah. And then walk to the school through the woods. Interesting. Or walk to the town through the woods. That probably would have been smarter. I had to put on the, the guy. I didn't have a car, so I had to put on the guise of going to school on the school bus. Well, in senior, in senior class, I did have a car, so it was much easier. I still didn't. I just figured out where my dad was working, so I know where not to go. And I went the opposite way. And, and <clears throat> my dad was at the house until about 10 o'clock in the morning. They would go to work. So I had to do something where I didn't get back home until after 10 and then I had the house myself. But it was... So, anyways, all that to say, Merrick probably came into the back door, and one of the teachers was like, hey, you might be too old for, to be a high school student. And he was like, I'm a substitute teacher. And they said, ah, oh, you're, you're good. Well, the real question I got is, you, so, ladies, young, blonde, somewhat attractive ladies. <laughs> that, I, I that's like, actually a joke on a director. I like Chrissy Swanson. Well, that's a joke on a different director who made the Hatred movie. Oh. He said he didn't want models. He wanted somewhat attractive women and then hired supermodels. Ah. Question. You see a old man watching you. What is your first thought? To run or to sit there and talk to the old man watching you? To be fair, I think she, at this point, she's far enough from him because he's standing back here and she's standing all the way back over here. So she's kind of entertaining what he's talking about. And what's funny is 
you'll know she actually says when he says birth birthright she's like like a trust fund and that snaps her curiosity because she's like oh a trust fund and she brings up the trust fund twice but still even that says she doesn't believe what he's talking about and she's about to walk away but he's able to perfectly describe her dream she's been having and if the old man's describing her dreams there might be it's a it's a plot way to get around him being a creepy old man because, hey, how does he know your dreams? So I just want to mention something. She moves closer to him throughout this, and he's not exactly... When she thinks he has the keys to her trust fund. And he's not exactly speaking the way an adult should be speaking to a 16-year-old girl. Yeah, he's calling the chosen one. He's building up her ego. He's literally flirting with this woman. He's talking about vampires in the graveyard. Hey, vampires can is be that, sexy. Is that how you flirt? Hey, let's have our first date. In the graveyard. I mean, I mean, hey, I guess in the if bottom. you have a neck fetish. Oh my god, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> um, I the trust fund thing made me laugh, and then I was thinking, like, how does he get her to the graveyard? Because there's no way she's leaving school with an old man. But the fact that he can describe her dream perfectly to a T, where she's curious, and then also, I don't know if you picked up on this, but he said something about was the farm in Virginia. So apparently the Slayers are either from Virginia or some just that vampire one, history. In just that one Slayer was a that one of the slave Slayers was in a I, in a Virginia farm. So in, in my canon, it was probably in our town that that happened. So, yeah, probably because I've seen a couple of vampires here. In our yeah, area, probably. So. so um, I do got a question. Now they're in the graveyard. Well, for one, also, Buffy has already blown off another girl who is supposed to tutor her. So she can get her homework done. Tutor, air quotes. She doesn't need homework. She's going to go to Europe and marry Christian Slater. So. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. Uh, but the question is, because Donald Sutherland is explaining about this guy's grave. He says, three days ago, this man had was killed, strained of blood, and then given a, bur- uh, a burial. And I'm questioning this for the fact that what murder victim, because you hear on the news, this is a... Serial murderer going around giving people an extreme case of the hickeys. That's true. That's exactly the way this damn news article put it. If he's a murder victim, why would they be burying him three days before before the, the whole case is even solved? It takes a whole week for a natural cause victim to be buried. How do you think it's going to take three days for a murder victim who could probably shed some light... Listen, this is a big case. They brought in the best coroner in the country to work on him. Eh, just where they work quick. Listen, if I can watch 800 Buffy episodes in one week, this can be done, right? The math makes sense to me, and I'm good with it. He actually has her purposefully sit on a grave of somebody who he knows is going to come out and attack her. And unfortunately, Merrick shows that he has no fighting abilities himself because he's pretty much getting his ass kicked. Yeah, the... Yeah, I was hoping the movie was going to end when the uh, vampire girl goes, grabs Buffy, and just starts chowing down. But, you know, PG-13 vampire movies, they don't do the stuff like that. Killing their main character in the first 20 minutes? Yes. No, no movie does that. It's, it's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> then it would have to be, okay, if she dies in the canon... We'll probably follow Kimberly. I'm thinking Hillary Swank takes over the Slayer. Yeah. And then... She dies on the first trip to the graveyard also. Yeah, probably this time probably, gets mauled by vampires, she, not just attacked by on one. The way the graveyard, on the way to the graveyard, she probably trips on herself. And most likely Buffy's one of the herself. ones that actually kills her. Again, the friends, I know you find them stupid, and they are the most annoying, clueless high school girls you could think of. But I'm laughing my ass off when they're talking about doing a paper or a school thing about how to improve the world. And one of them's like, the ozone! And then I was like, yeah, we should get rid of that. <laughs> it's just so stupid. <laughs> like the ozone, yeah, we should get rid of that. Case and they all agree. They're thing. like, they're like that, that. I'm telling you, that's Amelia said you, the same thing. If that doesn't put a smile on your face, then you're just you're you're being too uptight about it. I'm just, I guess I'm being too uptight because I'm just sitting there. That's hilarious. I'm just sitting there like this. I that, I think you had a. That's funny, stupid. That they're literally saying, oh, we gotta get rid of the ozone. Fudge these lipsticks. David Arquette getting bit. Listen. I need something bad to happen to David Arquette because I'm sick of him living in all the screen movies. So if I can vicariously see bad stuff happen to Deputy Dewey Hare, I'll take it. Him getting bit by a vampire is something. What are you talking about? This is, ha- this is how he survives all the screen movies. He's a damn vampire. I see him during the day a lot, though, in the screen movies. <laughs> He's wearing quite the suntan lotion. I don't know. Oh, yeah. you never seen Blade? 
Frost War or Sun uh, Sun Ocean? Ah, Blade's not vampire canon to me though. <laughs> Blade, Blade is its own canon, right? That's the Marvel vampire canon. Still, that's true though. I mean, I guess. No, there's no way. Yes. If Dewey was attacked by the Scream Killers as a vampire, he'd have strength enough to fight them off. Right? Probably not. This is still Dewey we're talking about. <laughs> he's not even that capable here. No, he's not. Well, I so I was reading the IMDb trivia, IMDb trivia, and the writer said basically that in this movie that. The main villain, uh, Lothi, Loki, Lothos, Lothus, and his sidekick—they are basically vampires from generations uh, from the Middle Ages, even. Mm-hmm. So they actually have true vampire strength. But all the converts in this movie, and the teenagers that get converted, are basically new vampires. So they pretty much suck, and that's why all they—all they want is blood. They need blood to continue to Buffy get stronger. Can, Buffy can pretty much make quick work of them. Well, that's also why Pike's able to fight them. Vic's not a big fan of Hocus Pocus, and unfortunately, this movie is pretty much my Hocus Pocus. With yes, it, I am not a fan of this movie, and I'm a big fan. And I think my reason also is I think that, like Hocus Pocus, I think there's just a huge. I think movies, if you watch them, and I would love to see if that Facebook uh, chat ever responded with actual responses about how nostalgia affects your view of movies, because my theory is that. If you saw a movie a lot as a kid, even with its flaws, even as an adult, you have the nostalgia goggles on, so it still like brings back emotion for you and you're into it. Whereas somebody watching it fresh without the emotional nostalgia nostalgic attachment, that's how I was the hocus pocus. I was watching it, I didn't laugh once. I could appreciate what Nick likes about it, but as an adult, I was just like, Dad, I don't like this movie. And whereas this movie with me is pretty much the exact same on that front but this one isn't nostalgia this one i think is just we have different senses of humor for me as with troll 2 i like a lot of cheese so if something's if something is campy and it knows it's campy and it's not taking itself seriously i'm like i'm on the journey then so when benny's standing outside of pike's window he's not standing when he's floating outside of pike's window <laughs> and pike sees him floating and says you're floating get out of here no first it was like hey hey bud you, you know, let me hand up so hungry. You notice that Pike says there's a double meaning. He's like, he says, he looks down, he says, he says, are you on something? And I'm thinking, is he talking about him being on drugs? Or is he like saying, actually, are you on a platform? <laughs> but then he's just like, he sees his friend floating in the sky. He's like, you're floating. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, just funny stuff. And um, one plot hole I'll definitely point out, though, is that when Merrick comes to, when they're in the locker room and Merrick comes to convince Buffy to, come training she had missed training to go to cheerleading practice so she's still at this point prioritizing cheerleading merrick throws the knife at her she catches it but she's pretty much done with the idea of it she's like i don't want to do this blah blah she breaks merrick's nose (laughs) and for some reason it cuts to her training and the whole training montage nonetheless it didn't establish why she suddenly was back on board with it when in the last scene she was like no i don't do this Training monta- montage, there's not much you can do. There's one thing we're missing, though. Mm. It's the I am the tiger. <laughs> no, but I'm cool with the, the cheesy 90s pop music, though. I'm Well, the, I mean, I guess with a, a high school girl, it definitely fits the bill more than I am the tiger. Hey, I heard the song. I went on YouTube. I was like, what the fuck is this Buffy song? Tra- what is this Buffy song sound on the soundtrack? Because I love 90s pop music. So um, the train made sense, though. She's trained to do a flip and then... Throw the stake accurately, basically. And also, she's hitting the leg and not the damn part. So Merrick's training... she's still hitting something. Merrick's whole training, his whole emphasis is get the heart, not my stomach. So. Yeah, let's, I'm just wondering one thing. In this training montage, they're fighting, and she actually wins. She jumps over his... It's well sw- established leg sweep. Merrick can't fight. Yeah, she jumps over his leg sweep, she knocks him down, and then she puts the stake right up to his eye. And he just moves it to his heart. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you miss a heart from that close of an angle? I think you have to you have to give the movie one leap here. And that's just that. And it's written this way, I feel like. But you got to give the movie a lot of leaps here. No, but there's one leap in this thing you have to give. Buffy's not very smart. <laughs> Nobody's going to claim her as being a smart person. And that's, that's the, the confines that Merrick has to work with, is that this woman is not necessarily intelligent. Um... But he still thinks she has a lot of potential, I guess. Um, all right, so now we see Buffy in actual action. Her first night doing Night Watch. 
she plays a rope-a-dope. She gives the impression that she's cold and alone and scared. That lures the vampire out. And she kills him. She kills him. But Merrick did not like that whole thing. As well, far yeah, as because if she was surrounded, she'd be vampire chow. Gives her good advice. He says, hey, remember this always. One vampire is easier to kill than ten vampires. And that is true with any street fight. One person is easier to fight than ten. Not if you're Michael Myers. <laughs> if it's a mob coming at you or a group of firefighters, you're still good to go. Yeah, but Buffy and these vampires are not looking for chicken McNuggets. They should be. Ah. Everybody should be. Ah. All right, let me specifically point out one great scene, maybe my favorite scene in the movie. And this scene to me elevates it a lot. It's a scene where Merrick and Buffy are in the living room and they have a sort of getting to know you bonding scene. Oh, that's... This scene was fantastic because it's actually, you can feel them actually becoming closer in the scene. And Merrick makes a joke. Remember what she said she wanted to do as her full-time job? Yeah, I'm jealous. She wants to be a buyer. <laughs> and Merrick asked, explain, and she's like, a buyer of, of something, a buyer of anything. See, when, ble- ble- when she, Bless her heart. So When she first said buyer, I was thinking, oh, she's going to go into stocks. She's going to do stock markets because a lot of people get rich off of those. No. She wants to continue buying fashion. Well, listen, she's already... Remember, what, what, what was the one thing she has that the other Slayers didn't? A keen fashion sense. Yeah, vampires, look out. Well, you know, that part of the movie, the fashion part, maybe that part would be more enjoyable, enjoyable for teenage girls. I'll say that. that we're, not the, we're grown men. We're not the target audience for that kind of scene, that kind of dialogue, but... I got moves. That's true. She's already established earlier that her plan is to move to Europe and marry Christian Slater, so... Yeah, good luck with that. Hey, well, hey, I think... A famous actor you know would be funny? married a vampire slayer? If Christian Slater actually played her boyfriend, what was his name? Uh, fucking Jeffrey? Jeremy? I think it was Jeffrey. Jeffrey was quite the annoying person. Yeah, but still, they should have had Christian Slater play Jeffrey just so she can say that and kind of be tongue-in-cheek there. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. So, and Merrick makes a joke about it. He wants to be a, a bootmaker. He wasn't joking. No, he was serious, a bootmaker. I'm pretty sure he was serious. That's true. His actual joke was just that... He's just a very tall leprechaun. True. But his reaction to the fashion sense joke was spot on. Yeah. He was like, oh, I'll alert all the vampires. And that's, she, that's where she said, heartwarmingly, she said, you made a joke. Are you feeling okay? Didn't you lie down? I know the first time is hard. So now... Good dialogue. So now the vampires attack Pike again. What Pi- is so important about Pike? I, so my theory is that... So one, the one problem I have with this scene is that... Well, there's a couple things going on. This town right now, apparently, because we're seeing random people get attacked. Just random people are getting attacked. So my theory here at the beginning of the movie is that you notice that... Um, what is, okay, what's the, the vampire, the main vampire the psychic dude? What's Pee-wee Herman's name? I don't know. A million? Um, I just call it Pee-wee. So Pee-wee, you notice that the main vampire guy, he's not quite raised at the beginning, right? So they're killing all these people, basically, and it seems like there's getting, he's gaining more power as more people get killed or people get, more people get converted to vampires. Because like, maybe like half an hour of the movie, then the main vampire comes. But initially, they're going around killing all random people. Pike, who's smartly is leaving town after he saw his friend Benny floating in the air, is sleeping in his van, though, or something on the highway, sees two vampires approaching, and Pee-wee's in front of him. Pee-wee jumps on his car. The car, for some reason, goes completely off the road, <laughs> down a hill. Hits a tree. Hits a tree. Now that, so... Pee-wee loses an arm. Pee-wee loses an arm. And the arm fall, and this, again, just, I, the reaction here made me laugh. The arm falls into the car, and then Pike's just like, hey, hey, huh? He looks up, and he goes, and, ah! Yeah, right so, right to a tree. Be honest with you. He had enough <laughs> damn time. That's where uh, another leap of logic needs to be done. But, because it's me, I don't do leap of logic, obviously. He had enough time I mean, but, to move out of the damn way of this tree. No, but it's, yes. but it's a comedy, so it's funny how he reacts. He's just like, he's like, oh, well, oh! You're, being, you're, being, you're being nitpicky if you're just like, oh, that timing of the tree. That's not nitpicky. This is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Had he moved. You sound like you had a stopwatch. You're like, all right, one, two, three, four, five. I did. <laughs> cheesy comedy your, your plot hole style doesn't work with this plot holes still need to be addressed even in cheesy comedies Buffy comes and saves the day 
Because she's on Night Watch. Yep, because, you know, vampires come out at night. Yeah, so they have a little, uh, pretty much rehashing everything we already know just to Pike, so Pike understands. It's more than that, though. What is it? It's a budding romance. And they're showing their chemistry and that they like each other or that they may soon like each other. The only two times these two characters have interacted with each other was the first time was Pike actually hitting her damn chair at the movie theater. Ah, which you missed the funny line there, too. Betty's like, we paid money for these. We paid good money for these seats. Pike's like, no, we didn't. <laughs> they didn't pay. The, they snuck in the movie theater. And then the other time was in the uh, but they bar did. where they were even like, oh, yeah, we hate you guys. But if you watch the bar scene, even because I've seen the movie a million times, so I pick up on this in the bar scene, even him and her make eye contact. And you can tell, even though they're from different crowds, that there's at least some kind of initial physical attraction there. He is a fully grown adult. She is 16. At this time, he was on Beverly Hills 90210 playing a teenager. They never say his age just because he's a mechanic. He could have dropped out of high school. That said, the second scene is where there's more sparks. And the sparks are that finally she has somebody who's not Merrick who she can talk to about this whole thing. That's what they want all day. And by the way, we're, her parents are pretty much absentee parents. Oh, yeah. Parents. Even when she came after the graveyard scene, she comes in covered in, she has blood on her chin, covered in dirt. Do you know what time it is? Up, oh, the mom's getting angry. Yeah, it's almost 10. I knew it. We're almost late. Parents from hell. Yeah, I swear. These might as well be the same parents that nuked Freddy in the Nightmare on Elm Street. They, did they a, came back there. They did a good job of leaving the parents out of the movie then. Because <laughs> we never see the parents again. Right, um, so. Okay, so. Basketball game. Basketball game. Now, this scene I did not like because, first of all, the, the actor who's playing the basketball player who's turned the vampire, that's actually Brady from Halloween 4. I just wonder why he looks so freaking familiar. Yeah, he's Brady from Part Four. Um, I just don't think a vampire would would care about scoring points in the basketball game, and he's just like fucking around with the basketball and stuff. And and then Buffy kind of exposes herself in front of the entire school like an idiot. But it's a cool visual to see someone get sweep kicked on the basketball floor. I mean, I somewhat understand her reasoning, but she still should, could have done it without alerting the entire school. What's funny is. The, the rest of school is so stupid that even the next day they just kind of take it as her acting weird, but nobody actually bats an eye about the actual vampire basketball player. But the more importantly, I don't know if this is a trap, but basically she chases him. To, to the amusement, which I believe it is a trap. I think it is a trap where the main so that vampire way, is. So that way Lothos can lay his eyes on who the new slayer is. Yeah, because he doesn't actually know who she is in terms of her being Buffy, high school student. But she shows up, and Merrick has this whole thing about... Lothos has a thing where he, do, he doesn't want to do anything with Buffy until she's ready. I don't know what he that means. He probably wants to show, maybe to, as a warning to other Slayers, like, hey, I'm not one that you want to fuck with. It's like he wants her to come to him versus him coming to her. So the whole thing with these two doesn't really get annoying until right before the climax, and I'll go over that when we get there. At the amusement park, what's bad is he's all, he already shows that he has power over her. He's seducing her. She's getting closer. Pike's trying to talk to her. By she's, the way. She's in a trance. So this, there's one thing in the amusement scene where two vampires are holding her. Pike kills the uh, the vampire, one the vampire that knows her. From behind. Yeah. And then she gets her out of the being held by the other two. But yet, when she knocks one down, the other one that's right behind her that could have grabbed a hold of her was just jumping like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, come here, turn around, you kick me in the face. So I think the, we'll call them the low-level role-player vampires... I think they basically, once the main vampire, Lothos, is there, they pretty much can't do anything unless he gives them, like, a direct command. Like, they have no um, autonomy or something like that on their own, basically. So pretty much even the, even the psychic vampire has to still go by what Lothos says. And right now, what he wants to do, basically, is have Buffy in a trance and then kill her. But luckily, or not luckily for him, Merrick's on the scene, so the whole... The whole mythos, though, is that the Watcher is not allowed to interfere in these kind of things. Basically, Merrick said in the earlier scene pretty much that 
pretty much has to watch the Slayer die if she happens to fall prey to this because he's not supposed to interfere. But in this case, he does. He has enough emotional bond to try to interfere. But on Merrick's part, he's being an idiot because why does he think that Lothos is going to simply allow him to stake him with... I mean, Merrick doesn't come down with force. He just has a stake in his hand. So, so. the real question I got is, in this kind of scene, ha- all we had to do for him to save some of the other Slayers is potentially sacrifice himself so the Slayer could get out of the trance and potentially stake Lothos from behind as he's killing Merrick. Instead, yes. he just lets all the others die. Yep. It's jackass. I, <laughs> I don't like Merrick even more now. I think Merrick <laughs> probably was confused on what to do. I think the other thing is, too, is I don't think he knew how long it would take Buffy to get out of the trance. Because he's in the trance for a good damn while. By the time Buffy's out of the trance, the problem is Merrick's already been stabbed. Now, I will say this. One fault to the movie, I have to say, is that at this point, I would have preferred to have Sarah Michelle Gellar because we do need Buffy to show a little bit more emotion here than Christy Swanson is able to do. I think Pike actually has a better reaction in the background here than Christy Swanson does with Merrick in her lap. Um, so that's the fault of, unfortunately, Christy... Well, maybe the casting because... Well, Sarah Michelle Gellar was too young to be in this, but, but they could have used a better actress here to emote this better. I think... Buffy is otherwise likable, and Christy Swanson can play likable in the scene she needs to be likable. But any scene that requires emotional range is where she's kind of stretched beyond what she can do. Meanwhile, Lothos walks away basically saying, hey, she's not ready yet. Which, I'm kind of annoyed by the by Lothos and a lot of his scenes because he has so many opportunities to kill her. In one scene, he has her in his arms. Her neck is literally right in his mouth. He doesn't take the bite. He's not about the bite. He's about the cooking the meal. <laughs> so, He's about the simmering food. I, I will say this. My, one of my problems with the movie is that I don't think they do a good job of defining what Lothos's overall plan is. Because I don't know what Lothos is thinking, or I don't know, they don't describe, okay, what does it mean she's not ready, and or like, what does she have to do to be ready? Uh, and another reason is, why is she kind of special? Because to be honest, when he went after the one in the flashback, he just straight up killed her. Mm-hmm. So why is Buffy so important that the other Slayers weren't? Because originally, I was thinking maybe he was turning the Slayers to become his bride. And that could still be true with Buffy, but what is so important about her? Maybe he's just in the blondes. Because the one we see him kill is a redhead. I don't know what would be important about her prior to this scene. But going forward from the scene, I got a brilliant explanation. The fact that within the scene, uh, Lotho sees that Merrick was willing to sacrifice himself and actually interfere for the first time can click off in Lotho's mind that, Ooh, there's something special about this Buffy because Merrick was willing to interfere. So going forward, that's got at least put in his head that, hmm, Merrick doesn't interfere. He's not supposed to actually sacrifice his life for her. So going forward, I can see where she's more special in his mind. But that said, because Merrick died and because Buffy does actually, to be fair, she does blame herself. She wants to try now to go in that direction and adjust back to normal um superficial teenage life which she goes to prom in a wedding dress she realizes that she can try but she can't really go back to her life she does buy the prom dress which is a wedding dress pike has a funny line when he confronts her about it because the typical line is i'm not angry i'm just disappointed he's like i'm not disappointed i'm just angry (laughs) so that's the first time i've heard them reverse the line i thought that was a good line but buffy goes to the prom and then so does Pike. So they the, dance, and then we get the... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not like other girls cliche. Whoa, whoa. It does work in this context of her being a vampire slayer. Well, that is true, but it's still a cliche. But think about how it's played, though. He says, you're not like other girls. And she says, yes, I am. <laughs> it's, the cliche would be the girl saying, I'm not like other girls. But don't sidebar how romantic and awesome this scene is and how great the music is. And I totally buy them as a couple... And I'm on board with them completely. 
Good job, Pike and Buffy. And I'm sure even your wife was like, ah. No, she was literally like, can we get on with this movie already? Well, everybody else loved that scene. Now, we do get on the vampires. Attack. They're, they're coming, and they're coming, not for Buffy, but they're here for Hilary Swank. You know why? Because they don't want her to go on to be the next Karate Kid, so they're preemptively going to bite her neck so there is no next Karate Kid. I get the feeling of any, if they got a hold of Hillary Swank, not just it wouldn't have just been one vampire getting her. A few uh, witty words between Pee-wee and <laughs> Buffy. Because she stabs him with a stake, and my man just won't die. <laughs> and even Ruger Hauer, who's playing the violin, is just watching him like, can you just die already? <laughs> oh, ah, oh. But then, hey, oh, ah. But the funniest thing is, I can't stress enough, after the opening, after the end credits, we cut back to him still being there like, oh, oh. Somewhere in some school somewhere, he's still not dead. So, so uh, Pike and Dewey get into a fight. And Dewey rightfully is saying, hey, man, we used to hate these bitches, man. Like, And during the scuffle, Pike does not, I don't remember Pike actually staking him. I remember Pike shoving him in a electric, Jukebox. He throws he throws some something on his face first, I think. Oh uh, yeah, holy water. There's holy water on his face, which burns his face, and now he's like, ah. And then shoves. I, Benny says, Dewey says, how am I gonna pass the police exam if I can't see? And then <clears> shoves <throat> him into a electric box, which shocks him. But since he's a vampire, I don't think that's gonna kill him. But we—that's the last time we see him. I hope not, because actually, they even as a vampire man, like. Benny really was, well, Benny was trying to kill him, I guess, but they still seem like good friends. Yeah, but the thing is, now we know why Dewey cannot die. Because he didn't die in this, which means he's still a vampire and scream. True. So there's music playing, and this is all part of Lothos's, uh seducing her, essentially. And she's not buying it now because she's remembering Merrick's advice, and she did take something from him. So Now, notice how he's literally up against her neck. He's going to bite, and then she stands up. And then he's just like, uh, I'm going to bite you now. No. And then he turns her head, goes for another bite, goes, what? <laughs> Cute capo? It's like, why would that line stop you, bud? <laughs> but it doesn't stop him. And he says something that I can't, I can't see how this didn't make you laugh. When he's being all, he's being so suave and so like trying to seduce her. And he said like, you stupid little bitch, and smacks her. The way Brooker House says, you stupid little bitch. That is a hilarious line. Because he's like so chill and something he's like... What's bad is if he would have just bit her, he would not be dead. I think he was waiting for a certain point in the song. Clearly, the downfall of Lothos is that he's too pre-planned how he wants the moment to be. He's not just going to kill her. He's going to kill her at the moment that he is prophesied in his own mind. But still, she, he, she, she gave him. He didn't give it to himself. She gave him... So many opportunities for him to kill her. But it's something, I've seen this other vampire things though too. It's something where, even this was in Vampire in Brooklyn, Lane Murphy, if you, if you remember that. He, he bit the girl! No, but before he did anything, he said basically the girl, he needs the girl to kind of give herself fully over to him before he can do it. Well, that's a different that's, lore for him because uh, the maybe, story going on there. Maybe, but you can, that's easily, looks like what's going on here too. That's why he's, oh, she's not ready. That's why he has to seduce her. He needs her fully on board. Otherwise, you're right. He could just bit her at the beginning. So that'd be boring for him. Also, one question I got. Because now she gets back to the prom. All the vampires are gone. And then Lothos comes back with a Jason Voorhees wall bust. <laughs> he's got to do it, man. And, and, and he pulls a katana. Yep. He pulls a fucking katana. Absolutely. Question. This man has stated multiple times that they are from the Middle Ages. They fought with the Knights. They were a part of the Crusades. Why are you pulling out a katana and not a broadsword? A sword to kill a broad would have been appropriate for this moment. Yes. But I'm going to say between now and then, he went through customs at the airport and it didn't get through security. That's my headcanon. So there. Your, your broadsword is still in Canada. That's all I'm going to say. Now, so, the good thing is we get to see... That, unfortunately, when you take away Lotha's ability to, put, ability to put her in a trance as an actual fighter in combat... He sucks. Not much to write home about. And I mean, it's probably because... You can see why he relies on his mental game. And it's probably because this man, this vampire, does not know how to use a katana. He knows how to use a broadsword. Yeah, of course. I mean, hey. They're both two different fighting styles of swordsmanship. 
True, and he didn't go to Katana school. Exactly. And probably didn't go to broadsword school either. So He, he fought with the Crusades. He knows how to use a broadsword. Uh, let's be honest. He's been using his mental trance thing on all his previous victims probably for centuries. Let's be honest. He should not have lost this because he had the opportunity five different times to murder this bitch. He's not going to kill the character when the movie's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's not going to be called Lothos Killed Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I would not have even had it to where she even got that close to him. I would have had it to where she and him always fought each other every single damn time. So that way there's no chance of anyone saying, well, he should have killed her by this point. I'm sure by the ninth episode of Supernatural, the main character should have been killed 5,000 times. Well, but they make it out alive every up. time, don't they? Because they're the main characters. Dean dies in season three. I'm talking permanent no coming back from no return living dead zombie coming back from the dead death. He dies in season 15. <laughs> that doesn't count. That means if there was a Buffy part five, she could have been killed in part five, and Buffy does die in the TV show at a certain point. Or she could have turned into a damn vampire. Buffy dies in the TV show, but she comes back to life. Or she turned into a damn vampire in order to fight Lothos. Because obviously, them fighting him as a human was not working for the other Slayers. The principal, man, he should be fired. All right, so... At one thing I loved, uh, one, the one part that got Casey or Amelia laughing... You get detention. You get detention. You get detention. You get double detention. You all get... Okay, I think that's all. Nope, over there. The <laughs> worst. All the dead vampires detention. The worst principle of all time. <laughs> now, um, the original ending, it was going to be darker. They actually were going to have Buffy have to burn down the prom, burn down the school with some of her senior class in there and the vampires, but that was too dark for the studio and they couldn't do it, but that would have solved the Hillary Swank problem because she would have burned in the, in the fire. Yeah, we would have a carry moment. One final line I like I'm going to say again. So many good lines, but one final line is, is Pike saying, did I do all this? And then him realizing that, no. Did you do all this? Yeah. <laughs> and they ride off in the sunset. Sunrise. They ride off in the sunrise. Never to be seen again except for... In the TV show, which had Buffy... As Sarah Michelle Gellar. Pike wasn't in it, but they did have a Spike. Yeah. Who dressed like Pike. Who was a vampire, and I think he was... He was in multiple episodes. Oh, he was one of the main characters. Yeah. He actually was popular enough there to then cross over to be on Angel, too. Oh, he was on Angel, too? Yeah. Uh, but then again, I never saw Angel, either. I just knew of it. The Buffy TV show you would like. It's just... um, It's... Now, I know they go off of vampires a good amount of episodes because obviously there's so much you can do with vampires. Like, was it the Gentleman episode I've heard about so much about? They're, they do a lot of stuff. There's a musical episode. Oh, my gosh. There's an episode, there's an episode called Hush where the entire episode is with no sound. There was one there was like a dream killer like Freddy. Oh, damn. But in the last few seasons, there was always a, a big bad who would be like the main villain throughout the entire season. Mm. And, that, and those are the better seasons when you have one villain throughout the entire season. Wasn't really. like the final season not even a main villain? It was like a whole army of vampires just gunning for them? It was, but they had... Um, the villain the last season was actually called The First Evil. Mm. And it was supposed to be basically like the first evil thing and he could do everything. He could shapeshift. He could make his own armies. Um, there was no, there was really no way to kill him. But because I, I did see a clip from the final episode where Buffy like gets thirty girls to become slayers and then takes them all to their death, pretty much, because they fought a whole army of vampires where they're outnumbered ten to one. So pretty much the way the Slayer mythos works is that it can only be female. There's always Slayers on standby because as soon as the Slayer dies you immediately have to have a new one be able to take over. So at one point in the show, there's two Slayers because um, Buffy died, but then came back to life. But in that time period, they'd already brought a new Slayer in. Mm -hmm. So at the end, with having to face the first evil, they find a spell base. There's a witch in the show, and they find a spell to where all the potential Slayers in the world, they're able to bring them to the town and pretty much train them mm -hmm right there to yeah get their i still remember so. just watching that fight like i was watching one girl stabs one vampire and then the other vampire just comes up from behind just chows down i'm like huh that's what happens when you go 10 on one <laughs> yeah that well yeah that was a it wasn't the best season the best seasons were like seasons three four three four Some five of the earlier stuff like two three four five probably the best seasons but i mean listen 
You might you might be into it if you like if you like supernatural. They're kind of in the same mold. So mm. I'll, I'll um, check it out eventually. I mean, we now have to do seasons one through seven on the. I don't know how we're going to do that. What a season an episode. I thought coming into it, and I've seen the movie a million times, but I thought it would probably end up being Ruger Hauer because he's one of my favorite actors. But yeah, he's he's not doing much here. He doesn't really make an impression, which is crazy because he's Ruger Hauer, and he always makes an impression. But he's not given enough to work with as a villain to actually make an impression. His sidekick actually has more screen time, does more killing. And until he loses his arm, he was actually a pretty serious character. Yeah, but then he gets goofy, but in the best way for this guy. Well, he gets goofy because, you know, Ruger Howard now comes in. So he's like, okay, we don't need you to be serious no more. So I got him, I got Luke Perry, and I got Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland, I was going to give it to him fully, but I realized that he does exit the movie halfway through. While he's on screen, he's given the best performance, even though he's basically just playing, playing a deadpan, wooden watcher. But he's Donald Sutherland, so every, every line is, has a... It's like, he's, like, he's like Dr. Loomis, where every line has like a gravitas because he's such an accomplished actor. And also the voice. The voice, yeah. You buy him as like, what he says is probably good advice because he's saying it. Mm-hmm. But he's not in the movie long enough. That's why I had to split it down the middle. Uh, I, wanted to give Ruger, I wanted to give Ruger Hauer some credit, but... He's really only... He's in the movie for like 10 minutes. He doesn't have much screen time. Um, I was going to go my worst, but... So, my best performance is the principal. The principal! The principal. Uh, the principal was the only person I actually laughed about. I mean, you got his whole drug monologue that obviously Buffy's not listening to because he's trying to get her to admit that she's on drugs. Then you got... He's a stalker. How about, he's looking out the window when she arrives late to school. And then, she's, the, she's the only student running in. Why is he looking out his window? And then he's also the one that's giving out detention slips to the dead vampires. He's the one who did my favorite bit of smacking Hillary Swank he's across the He's abusing his students. I, he is my Mentally favorite and physically. in this movie. That tells me that you, sir, will not be a good school. You only, will not be a good school administrator. <laughs> I don't want you around public schools anytime He is soon. the only person, even though he only had three scenes, he's the only person to make me laugh in this whole mo- in this whole comedy. So yes, I'm giving it to him. That says more about you than him, right? <laughs> All right. Worst. Worst performance. So here's the thing. I'm only going Christy Swanson because she's required to do the most, but she's probably the seventh best actor in the movie. But she has the the scenes where she's required to do the most heavy lifting. They need her to be emotional. And she can't really pull it off. Sarah Michelle Gellar could pull it off. So I think she's likable and she does have a good character arc. Like I said, she does go from completely vapid to better prioritizing her life by the end. But this movie could be better with a better actress just to give more emotional scenes. Like say when, when, when Merrick dies, for example. My worst performance. Don't say Deputy Dewey. No. <laughs> nope, not him. He was actually pretty fun. I'm going to actually say it. Unfortunately, it goes to Ruger Howard. I, th- I, th- I thought about that too, actually. And to be honest with you, for me, it's, pro- it's probably not really the performance itself. It's more the fact that he did not belong in this role. It yeah. is that because uh, it is definitely still a comedy. He's supposed to be the only serious character in this comedy, but I still couldn't take him seriously throughout because he never followed through with anything. Well, he works better as like a really chilling really evil, chilling, diabolical, serious villain. But in this movie, they need somebody who's, like, really going to, like... Ham it up. Yeah, and he tries to ham it up, but when he tries to ham it up, it just comes off weird. Yeah, but... Like, P.B. Herman can ham it up. Mm. But he didn't... It was, but, a, it was a bad fit. I, for I me, again, it's probably because I've only... I think... I don't remember seeing Ruger Hauer in anything else. I think I've only seen him in two movies. I could be wrong. I need to check some of the other stuff he's done. But, again... After watching him in The Hitcher and then watching this, I'm just wondering what the hell happened between The Hitcher and this. I don't know, man. This is a big studio movie, so maybe they just, like, threw money at him and he was like, fuck it. Didn't read the script and see, like, oh, am I I a good fit for the character, so. You stupid little bitch. But actually, that that's for that line alone, he shouldn't get the worst performance. That is. is the funniest thing ever. For him just to be like, you have to, like, watch, like, how serious he's like, ah, so seducing and laid back and then suddenly when he realizes that she's not going for it he's just like yo stupid little bitch he goes to plan b trying to beat her ass so 
Yeah, now what uh, best scene? Oh, this is when uh, this is um, Pee Wee Herman's death scene by far. This, so, this this scene, that scene, if you go on YouTube, has a lot of views because I don't think that's been done in a movie before this where the villain gets killed but just won't die. <laughs> it's so long and drawn out. Um, it's a tie for me between that and like I do like the scene where where Buffy and Merrick are talking in the room. So it's between that. I think the scene in the room gives some some much needed depth to their relationship. But for pure funny laughs, like if I was going to say, okay, I'll show you a scene. If you like this scene, then you'll like this movie. Because if you like that, then your sense of humor probably will fit the rest of the movie pretty much. If you watch the movie, you're like, ah, what is this? But if that makes you laugh, then probably that style of humor will be your thing. So my favorite scene is actually a flashback scene that ended up fading out to the point where you barely could tell that Ruger Howard was putting his teeth into a redhead's neck. You're, you're, that scene is your favorite scene only because of your redhead obsession. Uh, that's that's, okay. not even, that's not even the, the opposite of serious. That's <laughs> creepy. <laughs> it's meant to be. But to be honest with you, when you see the, red, when you see the uh, Slayer kill the, that vampire and then Pee Wee Herman's character shows up, and again, I'm sitting there like, okay, she's about to get screwed yeah. royally. And then Ruger Hauer shows up and bites her. To be honest, I'm still, even with that little five-second clip, would rather watch her, this Slayer, from start to downfall than what I ended up watching. There was definitely, so actually this will lead into our next thing, which is basically which storyline would you like to see more of? So for you, it sounds like flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is like, there's actually a very interesting, it's not the kind of movie where they're going to go deep into the vampire mythos, but the Slayer backstory and the Watcher backstory and Lotha's backstory, it's all interesting stuff, actually. Mm. Like more exposition actually wouldn't have hurt this movie. You'd like to see, I would like, so if that's your flashback, for me, it's, I need more of Lothos. I need more of his background. I need, I need them to explain what his fucking plan is. Why is he taking... Uh, two months to seduce the Slayer. Why is he suddenly like, I want to dance. I want to go to the prom. I think his like I said, plan I'm is pretty not. Pretty sure he wants a bride. Yeah, but it's just not. It's not talked about enough. It's not well established. When he talks to P.B. Herman, he's just giving orders. But even P.B. Herman's like, the dance. Let's go kill her now. It's like they need to do a better job of him explaining. Uh, like I said, in Vampire in Brooklyn, we have a clear goal for Eddie's vampire. But we didn't have that here. So, uh, worst scene. Yeah, for me, the basketball scene on the basketball court just felt out of place because I would think a vampire on the basketball court would just start biting the other team's neck, not actually trying to score points and win the basketball game. So the vampire there is just being goofy. He's like, he's like, go team, go. It's like, shouldn't you be biting someone's neck? Tongue in cheek. I get it. (laughs) But I mean, most of the vampires here aren't, that's like people Herman. Most of them are pretty played pretty straight. They're not like played goofy. The vampires are played for the most part like serious creatures of the night. So, so we're seeing the and playing basketball, which is weird. We're seeing so I can still see that point, but we're because also you see the way he looks, and absolutely no one is like, "Hey, I'm getting the fuck out of here." But anyway, yeah, even his teammates. Anyway, you, you, did you see the Ben Affleck cameo? <laughs> that must be got to be Ben Affleck's first movie. So. I just got to say, my worst scene is actually that seduction scene in the in, in the school basement thing. Again, because there's just so many... It, there's no reason why she should have lived this. With yeah. everything that has happened at this point, there's no reason she should have lived this. He should have just bitten her and dead. Willpower. The power of good. I would have been happy if he bit her and then she becomes a vampire because he wanted her to be his bride and then she killed him while a van- while as a vampire and then reverted back to normal because she had not fed yet. Yeah. That would have made it for a better ending. It made more sense. But if all that happened, we wouldn't have got you stupid little bitch. We, Without that we line, We could have gotten a stupid little bitch during the fight because now she's strong enough to take him on hand to hand. But it's funnier in this context because uh. it's so out of nowhere. No, okay, 100%. Listen, I do think, for me, I'll say this, 100%. There's no question. The ending does go off the rails a little bit. I definitely love the first half of the movie a lot more than the second half. 
once Merrick exits, it's almost like the plot just kind of goes nowhere. Like I said, the, the, the problem with the prom scene is I don't know what... At the end, I don't know if, if uh, Lothos is still trying to marry her or kill her or what, because his plan seemed to be to marry her and then kill her, or seduce her and then kill her. But once that fails, he's just trying to full-blown kill her, I guess? I don't know, but true. She could have been a dead woman, but the fact is, it's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, buddy. Hey, you know how many movies use the fact that the, the person needs to turn into the vampire to kill the vampire? All of them. True. <clears throat> even Vampire Fright in Brooklyn, the girl, even though technically she, it wasn't by choice. Fright Night, too. Yeah, Fright Night. Well, but this is different. She, the girl didn't fight back. But this is different. In this, in this context, you gotta remember, Buffy's not a human being. She is. But as a slayer, she actually has supernatural abilities. When he throws a knife and she's like, no, and catches it, that's like, he's like, only a slayer could do that. It's implied that she actually has beyond human capabilities. So you're saying a regular person cannot catch a knife? Do I need to pull up YouTube? Not the way he did it. <laughs> he did it like without her looking and she's a teenage girl. What I'm really saying is that Michael Myers walked out of that fire and it wasn't firefighters, but Buffy the Vampire slammed there. Michael still would have won. Mike would have said, I'm going back in the fire. <laughs> he would have went back in the fire. So we already discussed what we'd like to see more of. What would you want to get rid of? Easy. Super easy. Buffy's boyfriend and his friend. First of all, his, the boyfriend's friend, and at the beginning is like, can I borrow her? Well, here's another the, thing. The boyfriend and the friend, her having a boyfriend, if she was going to end up being with Pike, her having a boyfriend, that whole thing was just useless waste time. Well, I can understand why you'd want to get rid of the boyfriend just because he also breaks up with her when he realizes she can kick his ass. That, that, it is implied that that was the red flag. Yeah. When she sees that he flipped her, his friend over, he gets mad at her. It's like, why the hell did you do that? And then jokingly teases him. It's like, hey. That's not cool, man. Don't do that again. Yeah, but you know what, though? To be fair to him, though, it's implied that at a certain point, it's almost like she, doesn't, she stops talking to him because she oh, shows... she's out fighting vampires. She had no choice. She shows up at the prom without even having made a plan with him, but expects him to be there as her date. He's probably like, um, we haven't even talked in a month. Like, of course I have another prom date. Like, she was pretty neglecting at that point. Because she was feeling Pike, um, so I'm not I'm not I'm not mad at the boyfriend per se, but I don't think him and the friend had no purpose in the movie. Well, there was a lot of things that had no purpose in this movie. Just them two and the parents. Yeah. Well, final thoughts. Yeah, I can definitely see where there's fans of this movie. I can definitely see where why Vic likes it for the a lot of her nostalgia uh, for. People who are into cheek and comedy, there are you get some funny moments. I didn't personally find any. I'm not a big comedy fan, and this is evident by the, most of my comedies is because of my wife. Um, so, all in all, the characters, the actors did what they could to make to make the characters either believable or funny. The only one that I felt was really out of place was definitely more Ruger Hauer than any of them. Definitely. And I personally would have rather see Pee Wee Herman as the main villain the entire damn movie. I almost, it would have made more sense with him pulling out a katana just to be funny. It almost feels like he was. Like he said, he literally got more screen time mm -hmm. than another guy. And then the music, sadly, I, I'm not going to put this as a hate, but it's not really my cup of tea. Overall. 90s pop music. <laughs> and, and the fighting was definitely, you can tell, was... Low budget. Low budget. People didn't, didn't know how to use the weapons they were given. They didn't have Jet Li on set giving advice there. <laughs> no, they didn't have a fight choreographer. So overall, I have to give this movie... I'm going to give it a two. It's still a fun movie to watch, but it's not one of those that I'm going to sit there and revisit. In fact, I'm giving my Blu-ray to Vic, even though he already has a Blu-ray of it. The thing with comedy, and, and generally we actually, for the most part, stay away from comedies on this podcast... Because reviewing comedies is very difficult because people do have different sense of humor, different taste. There's scenes that I find hilarious that Nick's not going to laugh at. And there's other movies where he'll find things hilarious that I don't laugh at, as we've seen with like Hocus Pocus, for example. So uh, comedies are hard to gauge. 
the sense of humor this movie works for me. I definitely understand why it doesn't work for everybody. There are some definitely some plot holes for sure. Uh, like I said, Lothos' plan is never really well played out. The backstory is pretty silly. And the ending kind of goes off the rails a little bit. I do like all the main characters. I ended up liking Buffy a lot by the end of the movie. I like Pike a lot. I like Donald Sutherland, Sutherland while he's in the movie. I like Pee Wee Herman's character. I appreciate how stupid Hillary Swank and her friends are. They're playing like a super obvious stereotype, but they're doing it well. All the people I hated in the movie was the boyfriend and the boyfriend's friend. So, um, so for me personally, I'm just going to say for me, it's three stars. But I would just start the movie, throw it on, and see within 10 minutes, you can see if it's going to click with your sense of humor. For me, it works. So I watch it all the time. So I'd also definitely have, I definitely have the, the nostalgic bias towards it as well. So, so for me, three stars. But I would say also, I'd recommend the TV show. If you like the movie or if you don't like the movie, I'd still recommend the TV show as well. Once we hit a certain point of the night, it's time for chicken nuggets and Chick-fil-A sauce, even though Chick-fil-A is closed. So I'm not going to be getting that. We'll be back next week with a different movie. Pretty soon, we're going to start doing some Christmas movies. It'll be that time of the year to get into our Christmas season. Have a couple movies lined up for that. Remember to subscribe to us on YouTube. Let's watch a B movie. Search on YouTube. Also, we're at letswatchabmovie.com. Everywhere podcasts are available. But definitely subscribe to YouTube is our preferred thing because that way you can leave comments. We're gonna be adding a lot of videos there. I hope everyone had a good Halloween. Hope you all had a lot of candy. And happy hope th- no one got sick. And happy Thanksgiving. And I hope <laughs> everyone listened to Spooky Scary Skeletons and the Monster Mash at midnight of Halloween. Happy Halloween. Have a good Thanksgiving. Eat all the turkey for me. Eat all the stuffing for me. Because, fuck, I'm not going to eat. I'm probably going to get chicken nuggets. What? I don't eat turkey. This is a conversation for another podcast. Anyway, y'all have a good night. Remember, y'all don't have to go home. But y'all do have to go watch the rest of our episodes. They're down below. Good night.